This is the Lifestyle Business Podcast, Episode 1. Hey, this is Ian on 101 FM, W Bala. I'm here to spin you a little digital productivity record, so sit back, relax, and get to work. Man, I'm dying over here with all these ideas. I got nobody to talk to about them. Give me a call. Hey everybody, this is Dan, reporting to you from some unnamed tropical island in the business. I think when we pulled this episode together, it's really important for me at least to convey to everybody how many times we've failed over the last couple of years. But don't take our word for it. We're not experts. We're just dudes with the business. Well, John, I got an idea about this. Steve and I are, uh, what's your name? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I often joke that I can't afford to have a wife because then I'd be a minority partner. I'd only have 25% because I'm already married to Ian. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're an exceptional um, example of uh, somebody like this in that uh, you kind of like do this thing every couple of years where um, you like shed your skin. I don't know if you would agree with this. I'm not even sure I've shared this with you. So It's getting real, <laughs> but, uh, man. It's getting yeah. real. <laughs> Let me give you a little quick tip, dear audience, about what Ian just said. I can't remember the last time he said something like that where he wasn't right. And the first few times he ever said that to me. He got me out of a job and into a business that did $90,000 last month. Baller. Baller. All right, Ian, thanks for joining me today. It is always a pleasure today. We're going to play you one of our favorite songs. This song reminds me of Bali, man, and I got to get back there. When are we going to get back to Bali? Pretty soon, man. See you there. All right, thanks everybody for listening. If you want to do us a big favor, end yourself a big favor, make a cold call this week, try to cut a deal. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy. It's Thursday. That means it's time for another lifestyle business podcast. We believe building a business is the ideal way to create more freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and those around you. Hopefully, we've helped do a few of those for you. This is our 100th episode, and today I am joined by my captain, my co-host, a man who puts the dip into stick. What's up, brother? Man, these are always positive. The 100th episode, you got to make fun of me now? It's kind of funny, man. I don't know. I, this, we are rejoining. I don't know if you, if you go back to like episode number 16, in that range somewhere, I was always in this crazy cafe in Manila where the cappuccino machine is going off. Well, I'm there today. I'm reliving the glory days in Manila, the early days. And uh, we're absolutely all switched up. You're up basically three hours before you've ever woken up before (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're staying uh we're staying close to our roots man i like it that you're in that cafe and that's a fun cafe what is it caffeina caffeina if you guys stick around to the end of the show we'll share with you a super useful tool for successful product launches first the shouts bryce from sd five stars says congrats on the 100th episode sitting in the traffic has never been so legit Booyah to the ballers, five-star. Power Life says you guys mix the crazy stuff with the valuable stuff. That's the same thing that Ian's girlfriend says about him. Thanks, Power Life. And finally, putting it into action. We got a review that says, I was building WordPress sites for friends. 
and decided to make a business out of it. A couple months ago, I would have spent weeks getting my site set up before selling anything, but after listening to the LBP, I started cold calling people, and now I have more business than I can handle. I like that. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks to Dan and Ian for making mybizcoaching.com make it rain in San Diego. All right, Ian, I got a question for you from listener Dave. He's asking about a hard goods product business, and you're the guy. Yes. You're the guy to talk about hard goods product. He's developing a slim protective case for the Amazon Kindle. I think this is a great idea, Dave. I have broken a Kindle before. You've broken a Kindle before too, right? That's and uh, whenever I'm traveling, this is a this is a huge problem. These soft cases don't really uh, solve it. So, what Dave is doing is he's going around to different machine shops trying to get a prototype made. Uh, he's had a prototype made, and now he's finding out that there's some limitations with that supplier. Uh, so, I think, Dave, what you have to do is you have to know exactly how this product is going to get manufactured. Uh, sounds like you're doing some experimenting maybe with sheet metal. I don't know if that's going to be the end material that you're going to use, but you have to conceptualize what that end material is going to be uh, and how exactly it's going to be manufactured. I think that's going to help you a lot when you try and seek out your final manufacturer uh, for production. You also have to figure out how many of these you're going to make. If you're at a machine shop, um, a lot of machine shops are short run. Uh, you can find long run uh, production machine shops, but a lot of times they're short run. But also, again, it depends on manufacturing process. So are you stamping this thing? Are you molding this thing? Are you CNC in this thing? You've got to understand how to make it. And to understand how to make it, Dave, we are starting a product mastermind group in the DC. Um, and so that'll be uh, going off pretty soon. I think Alyssa is uh, setting up the dates for that. Ooh. But uh, if you want to get in touch with us through that, that's in the DC. And then also, if you want to get in touch with Dave, uh, email us and we'll hook you up with them. Yeah, it's painful to hear your answer, Ian, because I think Dave's in like one of these tough spots. Like we've been in this spot, with, especially with like, in particular with the injection molded stuff, where it's like, you know. I guess like the more advanced companies, like they know kind of like they have their specs spot on or they have a bit more of a track record. So um, the mold makers are willing to sort of go back and forth a little bit. But when you're a startup, uh, that kind of stuff's tough. And I don't think we have a really clear idea. So definitely if you can help Dave out or we'll try to connect some people. But it, it's a great question and it's a tough one to answer with a home run answer. Does it, is, do you think that's true, Ian? Yeah, I think um, I think this stuff comes with experience. I mean, we're starting to starting to turn some corners with that. But uh, I mean, especially I, I've made so many mistakes manufacturing things, not knowing exactly uh, what materials to use and things like that. And it's just years and years of of practice and, and knowledge that gets you there. So I think uh, hooking up Dave with some guys that have been in the game for a while is probably the best answer to that. Boom. Sean writes us from North Carolina, which is a very fine state. He says, "This summer, my wife and I will be quitting our very well-paying." corporate job that she hates in order to leave the huge city and spend more time with family and Sean just wants to give us encouragement and say just because everybody doesn't want to run around all these crazy backwater places around the planet and sit on tropical islands it doesn't mean that the message can't apply to a broader audience who has different lifestyle goals 
absolutely, Sean. Good luck with the startup, and uh, good luck with spending more time with the family and NC. That sounds good to me, too. On Facebook this week, we got over 400 fans, both Miraslaw, I believe that's how you say it, and the AdSense Flippers suggested that we get indulgent in the meat and potatoes. Well, we can oblige. Let's get moving on to the meat and potatoes. We're going to talk about things that we would do differently. Yeah, we sat around for for quite a while, tried to figure out what we're going to do for our 100th episode, and that was just way too much pressure Yeah, so to come up with something good. So here we are. (laughs) The answer is stay up really late, wake up really early, and not do anything (laughs) special. Again, hey, that's the whole thing. You know, uh, uh, what was that one tip we had where every day that you think was going to be like the turning point for your business just turned out to be Wednesday? Yeah. And it's like, you always think it's like, well, when, you know, cat fancy just features our cat furniture, it's like, we're just going to be sitting there freaking paying off that Porsche loan, you know? But no, it's just like, just another day at the office, just another bunch of customers that didn't get their shipments. And right. uh, this, this again, sir, is another Wednesday. So let's first, Ian, let's just talk a little bit about the numbers. So let's look back at the retrospective. It was mid-2009 when this podcast first got off the ground. Um, man, things were so different back then. We had one employee. We had a right. few Filipinos ripping us off. <laughs> Nothing against Filipinos. It was more against us. But, I mean, they were tri- sure. they were like triple time in a snow desk or whatever. <laughs> I don't Correct. know what, what platform it was back then. Um, we were probably doing about 30K in revenue a month, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Best sense. We had about one or two mini companies, one or two e-commerce sites. And we had a very sheepish approach to the podcast. And I was uh, I was drinking during the podcast back in those days. <laughs> That's just your excuse. Fast, I'm not proud of it. Fast forward uh, to early 2012, where we sit today. Uh, I don't know. Is that a thousand days later? It's uh, it's it's, it's almost two, yeah. two and a half years later. Yep. Following our thousand day principle, we're. We're at 13 employees-ish, depending on how you count, between 10 and 13. Correct. Our Filipinos are amazing and dedicated and talented and well-paid. Um, we're doing 130K plus a month. Yeah, we're about at that point. Uh, we'll probably hit 2 million this year. Hopefully, we'll hit 2 million this year. And how many mini companies would you say we got going on now? Maybe 9, 10, something? Yeah, yeah, we've got quite a few now. Uh, most of them have built on uh, those those first couple that we had, but uh, now we've just got more uh, niche sites and things like that. Well, so, uh, you know, I, there's all these things that have happened, and we've been working hard, working smart every day and all this stuff, but if there's two things that I could sort of pull out of of what's happened here, I would say these two things. Number one is shit takes forever. It just takes forever to get stuff done. And if, you, if you're willing to hustle for a 1,000 days and work full-time at your business for a 1,000 days, and hey, if, if you can't work full-time, that's great. you got other priorities for whatever reason, whether you can control them or you can't. But if yeah, you, just uh, or, or you could just be like us and uh, just have a partner and each of you work half-time. And that works out too. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I would share with you, and I think something that we've learned, Ian, is that 
you know, sharing is caring. I wish more entrepreneurs would share their journeys um, because you don't have to be some big entrepreneurship expert. Like I know how to do all this stuff. Or I'm, I think when you figure things out, turn around and share them. I mean, if you go back and listen to SEO podcasts from three years ago, um, the information is irrelevant. And For the most part, yeah. Yeah, so if, if in your business you are creating SEO knowledge on a day-to-day basis, turn around and share that with other entrepreneurs. You're going to develop a network. You're going to find yourself having renewed purpose and vigor towards your, 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 your business and everything. I don't know. I just think I feel like we have just been so enriched because we have tried to help other entrepreneurs without asking for anything in return. Just trying to develop a group of people that had the same interests. There is no doubt that our business has grown as a whole by uh, doing this podcast, and that's not something that we necessarily... uh, I don't really think we thought about that in 2009. Maybe you did. Um, But man, our business has really grown, and our network has really grown in our scope, and our ideas, and everything, because so many people are involved now. I mean... You know, there's probably a hundred people that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that really understand our business. Well, let me ask um, you a question on the spot. You know, you've been working so hard now for two and a half years since we first started, since your voice first sort of became apparent on the internet. I mean, has all the work been worth it to you? Or do you feel like it would have been better if you would have maybe had a little bit more balance or maybe not been so doggedly focused on growing this business? Now, if anything, I mean, I think that uh, I'm glad that we've worked this hard, and uh, I look forward to it for the next three years. I mean, it's like a it's a way of life for me. So I'm really happy uh, with our progress, and I think um, you know this shit does take forever, but I do think the longer you're in the game, the more experience you have, obviously, and, and the faster uh, you can make things happen. So, for example, now we've kind of got this platform built up. Um, that's taken three years, and we used to talk about platform a lot, not so much now, but I think platform is like um, uh, you know the people that you have in your company, uh, the capabilities that you have, the reach that you have, the, all the things that you've built up that uh, help run your business. And so now we've got this pretty cool platform, and I think that um, makes it a lot easier to move around and do things. And so when you have a three-year platform, maybe it's um, you know as big as a basketball. When you have a six-year platform, maybe it's as big as a, a blimp or something like that. So that's a bad analogy. But um, you know what I mean? Like this platform yeah. is getting bigger for us, so it's getting easier to do things. Yeah. And so I, 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 hate uh, I think be- the longer we're in the game, it's, it's going to be much more fun. I hate being a show off, but like it, it, I think what happens when you start to get like develop these businesses, you start to, you have this, you go through this stage where you're just so self impressed. You kind of like look at what's happening and you just can't believe it, you know. And I remember like this, uh, the fact that we're running a startup boot camp this summer is is just amazing to me. The fact that we we could we could bring people together in that sort of way and that people would trust us to do that and that it could actually change everybody's lives involved and then you just sent me kind of a curt email a few days ago that I didn't respond to yet you were like uh July X date let's go to India for 10 days <laughs> and I I'm just thinking to myself um I'm so glad that we're to the point now where we can even entertain such a ridiculous thought. Yeah, we probably won't go, but it's fun. It's fun. I don't know. (laughs) I don't want to dwell on that, but um, I think it's that email. 
it's like what that email represents. It was a casual email, the kind that you could just send on a Wednesday morning, and you meant it, and we can do it. And that, to me, is why we put all the work in. Is that, you know, we might not go to India that that time, but we've had a lot of Indias in the last two years, and there's yeah. going to be a lot more. And um, and I think. And whatever your India is, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be travel. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about some things that we would do differently if we could do it all over again, because uh, we're not as smart as we try to sound by editing the podcast heavily. <laughs> so, uh, the first thing I think, Ian, that we both agreed on was we would try to have more perspective on what it takes to get momentum in a business. I think that we both were more frustrated than we needed to be because we were doing the right things, which is like being smart and working very hard and focused and focused on products and and, and that kind of thing. But even, you know, smart guys with a lot of resources and a lot of luck in life and a lot of favorable positions, it took us so long. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that you do along the way that are compromises that are required. And I see them all the time and I see successful people doing them. I see people doing remote work arrangements. I see people doing a lot of consulting for their former employers. I see people doing gigs. I see people quitting their jobs and becoming bartenders in order to get more time, maybe the second year of their business. I see people doing things I call straddles, which is pursuing less attractive business models in order to put cash in their bank account. Uh, an example of that was I was talking to my friend John today, who happens to be amazing at WordPress. And I said, hey, John, you know, you could set up WordPress sites for people for a thousand bucks and you could offer all this stuff. And, you know, he's worried about like consulting creep and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, well, you know, in five months, you could have $10,000 in your bank account. Now, I know that doing WordPress consulting isn't maybe the future for you, but imagine what you could do with the 10 grand in that cash flow. And that's what I would yeah. call a straddle. And and people that are, I mean, and these things are frustrating because you want to have the, the scalable, awesome business, you know, that brings you Cambodia cash from anywhere on the planet. But it's the straddles, it's the consulting, it's the remote work, it's the gigs, it's the partnerships, it's the BS that gets you there. It's maybe the closing of your office during your lunch break to work on your startup. I mean, it's those little compromises, those little hustles that I see successful people doing. And um, I think putting that in perspective would have been better for me in retrospect. We were just talking about um, people quitting their jobs to uh, like work at restaurants or be bartenders. And uh, I, I'm kind of fascinated by this idea now. I don't know why why I haven't thought about this before, but like how baller is this? Like you're making like 75 G's working as an engineer. You quit your job to go work as a bartender three nights a week. You pull in, you know, a couple hundred dollars a night, depending on what city you're in. That's plenty to live on most places, as long as you don't have any debt and things like that. And then you've got like five days, four days, solid days to work on your business. Yeah. How cool is that? I, I like that idea. I'm going to start promoting that idea. I think that's a great idea. I think most people, including your parents, would probably think that's a huge step backwards. But I promote that idea. You know, you said earlier in the podcast that this is a way of life for you. And look, if we're gonna if we're gonna all agree communally that this this is gonna take three years full time effort, then you know, I mean, all these kind of half 
compromise. Like I'm going to do something in the evenings and see if it works and test it. I mean, is that, that's really like that ship has sailed, right? I mean, that's yeah. That's not how this stuff works. I mean, if you're not willing to be a bartender, if you're not willing to uh, have a couple arguments with the father-in-law, then you know it, it might not happen. And I think, right. and, and and maybe you're really smart. And I I think maybe Ian Ian, it's it, it's to our advantage that we're not the sharpest guys in the room. Agreed. We're just dumb enough to think that we can do this stuff and we just keep doing it, even though we're getting beat on the head every day. Uh, next point. Location is everything and location is nothing. So, you know... We used to argue about this quite a bit. Yeah, you know, I was talking to one of my friends the other day and... He was giving me this impassioned speech about if we set up this business in like this X place where we're thinking about setting up business, I'll be there on the ground every day, jamming it out, and like I'll never leave, and I'll do all this stuff. And like I've I've said that so many times, you know. I think I think I've given that like I'm gonna be there on the ground speech. Like, so you recognized it right away. You smelled your own shit right oh, there. Oh, absolutely, sir. And 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 there's this concept called bench pressing like I always say like you need somebody to sort of just do this heavy lifting in a business and I think entrepreneurs tend to overestimate what their impact is on a business you know it was that yeah. great great tale of like uh, so uh, that the, we made fun of you last year on the podcast or I don't know when it was but when you went back you left California and the business like jumped 20% the next month and never looked back Everybody loosened their tie and they were like, oh man, thank God. And, and every, now we can relax and actually do a good job. Everybody listening to the podcast is like, well, Ian's in San Diego because he's got to hold it down. He's locking it down. He's so responsible over there. And all of a sudden he leaves. And, and this is this lesson of, um, you know, sort of over-representing your ability to really bench press things in your business. You know, forces have a natural rhythm to them. And you can't always, you know push that around and so I think and it's going to be different in every single circumstance but I think recognizing that and not overemphasizing the value of you being there I mean I had that experience here in Manila when I was managing my developers in the office and it turns out that they were just no more productive like zero absolutely nothing and and worse we were all miserable because we were sitting in this office trying to keep tabs on each other it was so much better when we just all went back home and chatted on Skype occasionally. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that this location is everything, location is nothing, kind of applies to cash, too, um, or at least startup money. I think uh, cash is everything, but cash is nothing at the same time. I think you can start a business with no money. Um, but I think once your business is running, uh, cash is everything. So I think that kind of applies, too. Um to, to what we're talking about here. You'd think after 100 episodes, we could come up with cogent talking points, but... Yeah. <laughs> Number three, you don't need a VA. Yes. I said it. You don't need a VA. When did we hire our first VA? I mean, we talked about VAs for a long time. Hiring VAs has become the number one form of resistance for entrepreneurs. I'm hearing it everywhere. I'm hearing... I need to get a VA for this. I need to get a VA for that. Well, what's your product? Where's your cash flow? What's the scalable process that you're going to plug them into immediately and they're just going to start doing all the crap that you've been doing? Here's the thing. If you're not up to your friggin' eyeballs in a repeatable, specific 
customer-facing process, you don't need a VA. So let's stop talking about it. And the moment that you're ready to hire somebody, you're not going to call them a VA. You're going to call them whatever the hell they're doing. They're customer service. They're a designer that designs a specific thing that you're up to your eyeballs in. Um, you're cash flowing. Your processes are defined. And, and finally, outsourcing is not a business opportunity. And this is how no. people present it. Um, and I think this, we spent the last two and a half years learning this stupidly simple message that, and, and, and it's, it's the whole reason I got on a plane to come to the Philippines in the first place, Ian, was submitting to this resistance. I thought we could just start hiring, hiring people until we were blue in the face and we were going to be rich. You know, when I should have just started calling customers until I was blue in the face. Yeah, we didn't have any, we didn't have any work. We just wanted to hire all these people. <laughs> Have them sit around and then uh, say, all right, call it a day. Well, uh, and, and, we don't have any work. And, and it's a really important distinction between work and cash because everybody's thinking, and that's how people sell outsourcing. It's like, oh, you have all this work. You have all this work. That's not the way you want to think about it. You have cash. You have cash flows that you need people to either manage or to support. Okay? So you've got a you know, a particular site that's bringing in $5,000 a month. And it's worth it to you to pay somebody 600 or 1000 or 1200 in order to manage the customer support for that cash flow, period. Yes. That's the end of it. The next thing we wish we knew was that we wish we would have paid ourselves more. Well, well, well. Somebody has changed because <laughs> you have not paid me a dime. What's going on? Where, where did this point come from? I definitely didn't write this one. Yeah, that's true. Well, I look back and uh, what happens with the money that's in your business is it, it generally gets spent. Um, so you have to take it out um, or else it gets it gets eaten back up, and especially in the case of our business because um, we have an inventory-based business. And so that money just kind of sits in the bank a lot of times because you're getting ready to buy inventory. Um, you're going through a cycle or something like that. And then uh, you never end up taking the money out. And so one thing that I wish that we did uh, way back when was we just took the money out, we paid ourselves, um, and then we didn't necessarily, you don't necessarily go and spend that money right away on a Porsche or anything like that. Um, You have it so you can loan it back to the company, but it's actually in your personal bank account. Uh, You've taken it out of the company. I think that's really important. Because uh, that money just disappears, like it has for us the last couple of years. Oh yeah, uh, just gets just gets eaten back up by the company. So you, uh, I think, if I could have done it differently, I would have, I would have just paid ourselves more um, and had it burn a little bit more, and then if we needed to, uh, loan the company back money. Yeah, buddy, cash is like liquid. If you don't just start building those walls and having a clear idea of where it goes, it'll have its own ideas. And especially yes. when you got 13 hands in the pot. I mean, you got everybody, you know, especially with SaaS applications, they're fantastic businesses to start because I know everybody on our team wants to sign up for three new ones every month. And yeah. <laughs> the other day I saw you deleting SaaS apps that we've had since since three years ago. Oh, and the PayPal. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Wasn't and I look disgusting? at the. I was oh, embarrassed. Yeah. Like, what is this one, Dan? Uh. <laughs> Looks like just. I'll tell you. Uh, you know what? Quick. You know what? Uh, SaaS apps we have. Just listened back through the podcast at all the quick tips and yeah. uh, <laughs> count up about a hundred of them. <laughs> Finally, we wish we would have invested in a better tax guy. I mean, we're kind of these like 
fast running guys where you just like sort of set up the LLC and you start selling crap and then and then maybe you figure it out in the back end, you shoebox it. Well, we wish we wouldn't have shoeboxed it the first year and we would have stepped up the moment you knew the business was viable yeah. and got a quality accountant on board. Tell us about what, what our accountant's been able to do for us. Uh, this year, we, we did pretty well. I mean, in terms of uh, how, how we ended up in the end of the year, the last couple of years, not so good. I mean, uh, so I, I wish we would have invested in, in a good accountant. And I feel like part of that is our learning curve too. I mean, you can't just hire an accountant or a tax accountant and assume that they're going to work everything out for you. You've really got to invest yourself into the process. Um, and so I feel like that's something we've been doing the last couple of years, but it just takes a long time, especially for me to get up to speed on this stuff. So it's taken us a long time to get up to speed on this uh, several years now. And so the way I look at it is, um, you know, the first year you're going to actually make some money. Um, it makes sense to get a tax accountant because, uh, you know, our tax accountant wasn't very much this year. I think it was like $2,500. Uh, so when you look back at the years at how much money we made, um, this guy, having this guy on board could have really helped us out. And, uh, and kind of massage those numbers so they make sense. Yeah, and it's tough when, you know, those first few years when, like, we were just really, like, struggling to pull out salaries for ourselves that made sense. It's tough then to say 2500 bucks. I mean, it's a big number. But what we're, what we're looking at now is, like, that was a little bit penny-wise, pound-foolish. And we probably should have gotten that great tax advice early on in the game. And like you said, the best point there is really the hands-on stuff. Um, you know, as a universal thing, when you meet entrepreneurs that are at higher levels, they're quite adept at tax issues because it's, it becomes hugely important to your business. And uh, you can't just, you know, mail this stuff into some guy and then, and then have that be it. Alrighty, so real quick, before we sign off on this episode so I can go to bed and you probably go back to bed for another three hours before you go to the office, what are the one, some of the things that you think the next 100 episodes could bring us? What are some things you'd like to see? Uh, first thing, I think uh, we're doing really well with all these little businesses that we have, but I would like to see us get on one main focus um, in the next three years or the next two to three years, uh, something that's very disruptive and something that's very large. I think that's what we've been kind of edging for uh, the whole time. Uh, we just keep finding these complementary businesses, and it's really fun, um, and it's uh, really conducive to our lifestyle to do that right now. But I think uh, in the next couple of years, we're going to we're gonna find a one really big disruptive business uh, that takes off big time. So Speaking of disruption, something I think that can help us with that is this year, uh, you know, we want to try to help 1,000 entrepreneurs make those steps uh, to switch from either that's being an employer or consultant to running their own scalable lifestyle business. We're doing that through a variety of meetings with our internships, with our private groups, uh, with these startup schools in the summertime, and also with a book that we're coming out with and with the podcast. So um, I just think that's just a cool thing to do in life in general. It's super fun to help out entrepreneurs. They're the most passionate, creative group of people that I know of. Way more fun than hanging out with musicians, which is what I thought I wanted to be uh, back yeah, in buddy. the day. <laughs> I was, uh, we were swimming in the ocean today, and uh, one of my buddies asked me, well, what do you want to do when you were in college? I wanted to be a rock star, and I'm glad I didn't, I didn't go for that. 
<laughs> We'd also like to help our DC members create an extra 10K in annual income. I think we should you know, continue to focus on uh, that group of entrepreneurs. I think there's a lot more upside for that, but more learning, improving in platform. And if any lesson from the last two and a half years, Ian, is that I don't know how much we can predict what's coming down the pike for us. Just continue to do the good work focus on the things that you know i think we can be more deeply invested in just keep trucking man and maybe make it to india who knows so let's get moving on to the quick tips tricks and or funny joke section really quick for the pre-launch over the tropical mba we use wufu forms I know I've, everybody's probably heard Andrew over at Mixergy.com mention Wufu a trillion times and never even bothered to go to the site. Well, when we needed to do a quick, dirty little survey, went over there, signed up for an account, made a beautiful uh, little embeddable form, and it was just awesome, Ian. Um, basically, everybody, yeah. everybody that signed up for the pre-interest list, they got to either type in pieces of information, their email take make selections on radio buttons or pull down menus and then when they hit submit that just got pumped into a spreadsheet that was extraordinarily useful for me i pumped it into a mailing list i could separate out the different groups of people by what dates they were interested in and then i could just email them and it was all on wufu it was all free and it looked great so i can't recommend that service enough Great way to get information from people uh, that come to your site. And Absolutely. Speaking of spending money, one thing that you have inspired in me is that I finally, after much Twitter research and a lot of soul searching, I forked out a ton of money and bought the Dr. Dre Beats Studio Editions. And I got to say, they're the over-ears, they're the noise canceling. And I tested out a lot of these things that audio snobs say are great, like the Bose and and uh, some of these other brands, and I just didn't like anything as much as the Beats. <clears throat> and I know there's a lot of marketing budget worked in there that I'm paying for, but I absolutely love the Smiley Face EQ, the big bass, the marshmallowy sound. You can just absolutely rock out while you're doing all that, that hustling. And it's great, and you know, these headphones, you can actually listen to music at a really nice volume. And uh, it doesn't hurt your ears because the, the, the sound is so warm. And with these really yeah. like audiophile, like mid-range kind of uh, you know headphones, it's just not the same thing. So absolutely, am loving the Beats, man, and it couldn't be better for being on an airplane. So can I can I make a bet with you? Just do it. You know what the bet I'm gonna make, right? Uh, unfortunately. I, I the correlate is, is that I just bought another pair of sunglasses today. So yes, I do know what the bet's going to be. <laughs> we know each other way too well, brother. Well, we'll see how long those beats last. Let's just hope the podcast lasts another 100 episodes. Love you, man. See you next week. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.